Welcome to Hallelujah Monkeys for 9-11, Never Forget. My name is Dylan Flynn. My name is Trevor Ickrath. Never forget. Dylan, how many years has it been since the greatest probably disaster of the 21st century? Well, it really started the 21st century, didn't it? As well as, you know, the second stage of my life, like after the end of my childhood. It's been 16 years, which means that it's not really a relevant uh, anniversary. How dare you? you? I guess 9-11 is old enough to drive. Are we? Is that exciting? Every anniversary of the day where our soil was threatened like never before and will never be again, thanks to the hard work of our greatest president still, George W.H. Bush. (laughs) And TSA, our our greatest uh, uh, bureaucracy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Happy birthday to the fifth gorilla, 9-11. Happy birthday. (laughs) (laughs) To the fifth gorilla. To the fifth gorilla. I don't have anything else to say about 9-11, and I feel, it would feel weird to be like, so I was at the store the other day. Should we just get into the news? I feel I already feel weird about the fact that, we've, that we talked some 9-11, so let's, yeah, let's jump into it. It's all good news now. Trevor, I hate to do this, but let's go ahead and get some bad news out of the way first. It's the day for it. Uh, the Super Deluxe Vinyl. We've got an update from store.gorillas.com. It just says, due to further delay in production, orders containing this product are expected to ship to customers for November 3rd. Discussion question. Dylan, what if we don't get this thing at all? Yeah, that's crazy. Well, here's the thing. We'll get the music are you in sure? some form. I'm sure. I'm okay. sure. Damon, like, very recently was talking about how it's, he's it's, so excited. Yeah, it's, for- it's, not like they're, it's not like he's ever talked about, you know, a giant trove of unreleased music uh, that he's, been, <laughs> he's such a fan of that, you know, but we don't get to hear it. It's not like there's any kind of precedence for this. What if we don't get it? What if we just don't get these songs? It could happen. I feel like it could happen. Do you feel like it could this happen? This would be a... I don't think it could happen. If there's another delay, then I'll start seriously considering the possibility. But this would be a really painful refund, Trevor. This is like, I don't know how many they made, but it's just hundreds of dollars per per item. Yeah, I mean, just been spurned by this band in the past, you know? And a lot of people have. The Stylo car. There are many moving parts, let's not forget. They, yeah. You know, this is this is 14 sleeves, 14 pieces of vinyl. I'm sure there are multiple different manufacturers uh, at play here, and they promised us something. They're not able to, to deliver on the date they promised us, but fingers crossed, November 3rd. Let's just expect it, and, and not even, let's put that other possibility out of our minds for now, Trevor. At least they're being a little more transparent. At least, at least there is a blurb. I still would have preferred a little email, but whatever. Yeah. Okay, Jaguar. Let's check in with Jaguar. Great, <laughs> great. What are they up to? What are what are our boys doing with uh with the old big cat these days? Well, I, I guess Sonos was to the spirit house as now Jaguar was to a a pop up. Uh, Gorilla's Garage, a recreation of that little room that they added to the app back when they had that ARG. Do you remember the ARG? I do remember that ARG, yeah, a little bit. That sounds cool, though. Uh, How long do I have to uh, get out there and go see it? (laughs) Well, it ended yesterday. Hmm. Hallelujah Monkeys, timely as ever. I mean, today as we're recording. So theoretically, if you could get to London in like the next... uh, It's probably closed by now. It's like like 8 o'clock in London. So we'll just say... Too late. Too late. Those time zones keep fucking us on this podcast. They really do. They really do. I'm looking at some pictures of it. It's so weird. There's like no information about this other than like 
Jaguar has a has a tech fest like a like imagine a, a CES but just for Jaguar or something. And at this tech fest is a recreation of a gorilla's garage thing. And there's a couple of pictures of it. I don't know. Did you see? It them? looks like there's maybe some cool stuff in there. Though is that like a rec- is there like a recreation of the um the tricycle from uh, the Rock the House video in there? Yeah, it looks like it's got the Rock the House tricycle. I feel like that might not be original to this installation. I feel that I feel like that showed up somewhere else too. Huh. And there's also the um the raft from On Melancholy Hill. Yeah, the On Melancholy Hill raft is there, and then I guess cute the little sign outside of the elevator says it's coming up and it's there, which right. is cute. That was from the, uh, was that from Phase 2 Kong Studios? Yeah, I believe so. Gotcha. So, you know, it, it seems like, I don't know, who do you think would have would have seen to this? Does Jamie Hewlett have time to design this little thing, or is he busy with something else? I feel like Jamie Hewlett doesn't even have time to finish his own videos these days. <laughs> so this, this might have just been like, somebody at Jaguar had to go dig through old Gorillaz things, and then maybe he saw like design documents and signed off on them or something probably something like that he was probably given a couple things to sort through and they were like here take your pick but i doubt jamie was involved like to a you know very granular level i feel like between the spirit house and the and the and the jaguar pop-up gorilla's garage i feel like what they want to do is just rebuild kong studios as like a gorilla's disneyland park can you imagine I mean, one, it would be horrible because the sm- the smell. It would be like it would be horrible. You couldn't go to it. <laughs> like it's it would be if it was if it were true to life, it would be built on a landfill, and you couldn't go to it because I don't know if you've ever been to like a landfill. Pump in the smell of of yeah, a dump and of sulfur. Yeah, it's you wouldn't go to it. You couldn't. <laughs> it would be a. I mean, it would be something gorillas would do to like you know spend all the budget for like a phase on an amusement park nobody could end up going to. But I don't know. <laughs> This is a band that's not afraid to lose a little money. No, no. In the name of in the name of pushing their vision forward, definitely not. This is probably the coolest little blurb of the week, Trevor. Oh yeah, I, I just saw this one open the news doc, and this is very exciting. Uh, Denholm Hewlett. I believe that's Jamie's eldest son. I think he's got two sons, and, and Denholm is the older of the two. Denholm, the eldest. He's been he's been reliably posting some very beautiful uh, photographs of gorillas on stage throughout this phase i i don't know is this snark is this instagram user who's posting this comment is he trying to be snarky at denholm what's that all about the, the one asking what's it like being their roadie yeah that seems a little bit snarky doesn't it if you have like even the tiniest bit of self-awareness i think you would realize that that kind of doesn't sound great Sounds a little snarky. I would, yeah, that's how I would put it. Maybe it was calculated though, because Possibly. maybe what he was trying to do is like make him feel self conscious enough to give yeah. us a little bit of information. Let's, let's prod him a bit and see what comes out. Right. And Denholm, sure enough, says, I'm not the roadie. I'm just photographing the live shows and making a full length documentary of their world tour. Wait, what? Say, what? What? What's that last part? <laughs> <laughs> that was dumb. Uh, but yeah, no. So he's uh, Denholm Hewlett uh, is apparently making a full-length documentary of their uh, the current Humans World Tour. That's very cool. So so apparently the reason that Carrie Levy is out of a job is nepotism. That's apparently, apparently... <laughs> trying to trying to keep it in the family, I guess. <laughs> but that's awesome. If big, if true, like if that happens, that would rule. Sort of a successor to Bananas documenting this because now we know they're going to South America. They're going to Chile and Mexico and I believe Brazil. Dates have either been announced or teased at and Argentina. So by the end of this phase, gorillas will have traced this globe. Discussion question. 
what kind of passive aggressive comment do you think we would need to lob at Denholm to get him to come on the show? That is a that is a great. Okay, so like maybe we could be like, man, keep trolling Instagram for interesting people to have on the podcast, but just find boring roadies like Denholm Hewlett. That would probably work. Probably work. I'm not a roadie. Let me on the show. I'll tell all their secrets. Here's the question, though: is is our David and Jamie gonna try to behave better because they're because Jamie's son is pointing a camera at them? Do you think they were particularly well behaved in bananas? No, <laughs> but but I guess but, it wasn't Jamie's progeny filming them, was it? Yeah, is like are they gonna are they gonna hide the cocaine, so to speak? Because is Jamie's still gonna whole... be running around with a big inflatable dick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's my only fear. I'm sure when it drops, we'll, ha- we'll have to do an entire uh, side-by-side comparison episode. Okay, okay. Are you ready for uh, for the for the moment of truth, Trevor? The surprise third news story that Trevor mustn't know about until the moment of truth? Surprise is, is maybe a lofty term. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we all woke up, uh, us Gorillaz fans, with the notification on our phones, Trevor, that uh, that there was some, some happenings around a surprise New York show on the 14th. Right. And it included, like, go explore Noodle's room for more, right? Mm -hmm. If you follow that down to the bottom of it, what you end up with is a how well do you know Noodle quiz. Oh, boy. And in in Hallelujah Monkey's tradition, I'd like to proctor this quiz on you today. Now, Trevor, Trevor, I'm going to tell you, I did get 100% on this, but one of these was a coin flip for me, and I was very lucky to have, have... answered it correctly okay yep time to play do you know noodle okay here we go uh when noodle left for japan to learn about her forgotten past what was the name of the food dish she heard the waiter mention to the chef in osaka that allowed her to regain all her memories was it a water ham two or b (laughs) can't mix them noodle surprise c osaka pork or d ocean bacon Ocean bacon. Yeah, compliments to Cash Brown. I hope he gets, like, residuals for that question somehow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, question number two. What is the name of the cruise ship? Fuck this question, by the way. What is the name of the cruise ship that Noodle can be seen on wearing a cat mask in the beginning of the Odd Melancholy Hill video? Okay. I'm going to give you these answers, and then I'm going to tell you what I did, okay? Sure. Without spoiling. Okay. A. H. Marriott, B. R. Hobbs, C. M. Harriet, or D. Big Old Ship. Now, if you're like me, you realize that this was probably in one shot of that fucking music video, and you certainly just memorized the stupid name of this this video, right? No, I didn't. I can't say I did. I think I might have even like skipped it when watching our uh, when watching the videos for our episode and just kind of like fibbed my way through it. Okay, so here's what I did. I thought like a test. You know how to think like a test. You've been through school. Sure. Two of these answers are H. Marriott and M. Harriet, which is just a, a first letter swapped version of each other, right? Mm-hmm. One of them is R. Hobbs, that seems unlikely. That's absolutely out. One of them is big old ship. That doesn't feel no, that doesn't feel humanity. So now it's just down to H. Marion and M. Harriet. So I flipped the coin. <laughs> I suggest you do the same. I feel like I I'm I'm leaning towards one over the other though. Alright, okay. My immediate leaning is towards like the Marriott one, but the Marriott is also like a mot- like a hotel or something, right? The Marriott, yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. I'm gonna say M. Harriet. 
M. Harriet is correct. Congratulations, Trevor. It's all it's all smooth sailing from here. Okay, are you ready? Hey, I I watch gorillas videos. I read Rise of the Ogre. I'm I'm good here. <laughs> you're good. This is you're me good. and my element. <laughs> After Plastic Beach, Noodle opened an unnaturally big pearl shell and released what? Mizzou, a shape-shifting devil that could take human form. Randy, a hairy man with bad teeth from Chicago. Monstar, a space creature with the ability to time travel. Or Maru, a confused ghost looking for his home. Well, as anyone who listened to our episode highlighting Murdoch's Pirate Radio and the Book of Gorillas series would be able to tell you, the answer to that one is A, the shape-shifting devil, whose name I can't remember. Wasn't, weren't the Monstars the name of the bad guys in Space Jam? Yep. They stole all that, uh, all that, all that ability from uh, our, our world's greatest basketball <laughs> players and used them to uh, take over Toonland or something? I don't know. Noodle's birthday falls on what holiday? Is it Christmas, Boxing Day, Halloween, or Valentine's Day? Well, if you had listened again to our episode uh, focusing on Murdoch's Pirate Radio and the Book of Gorillas series, you would remember when Murdoch wishes her a happy birthday, even though she's, like, dead on Halloween. On Halloween? Happy Halloween, Noodle. Here we go, here we go. When Noodle arrived on the doorsteps of Kong Studios in 1998, I think this is the last question, by the way. You're fucking kidding me, right? I could, like, probably answer this, like, without you even finishing the question. It's not, I thought it was going to be FedEx Box 2. It's okay. not FedEx Box. Okay. It's not. Don't worry. What was the first thing she did when the crate was open? Did she scream for her life? Did she play a guitar solo? Did she perform a juggling routine? Or did she punch Russell in the stomach? If I remember my Roto, mm-hmm. uh, she played a guitar solo. You're right, and congratulations, you've officially showed us your stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so what this means, Trevor, is that our our names are both going to be entered into this drawing for the surprise show, which we won't be able to go to because they'll announce the, the venue day of. Somebody doesn't sound very ambitious. Well, here's what I was thinking. That would be the best episode of Hallelujah Monkeys ever. Tell me it wouldn't be. It would be amazing if we. But how would we get there on the same day it's announced? How it's like would we do a it? A cross country dash, you know, against all odds. <laughs> so expensive. Yeah. I don't think we have enough Patreon support to do that. <laughs> Not yet. So here's what I was thinking. I submitted. You only have to submit your first name, right? So what are the odds that there is a Dylan and there is a Trevor? in new york city who listens to this podcast <laughs> so if we win we could give our we could give our pass to them on the condition that they that they give us a full trip report on the show that's what i was sure thinking. sure yeah uh bizarro nyc dylan and trevor come be on the show what do you think those two guys are like i don't know they're they're new yorkers so they're probably like us but faster yeah they're, they're probably walking over here <laughs> <laughs> right, whereas we're, I don't know what we what we do on the West Coast. Like, I yeah. guess we surf everywhere we go. Is that is that the equivalent? That is the end. That's it. We got a surprise gorilla show. We got a we got a, a, a jet setting world tour documentary on the way. A pop up garage and no super deluxe vinyl insight, which uh, which clears the way. And I know a ton of shit about Noodle, apparently. Yeah, you know everything there needs to know, including that, what was it? Was it the H. Marion or M. Harriet? I already forgot. <laughs> it was the, it was the uh, Harriet. The M. Yeah, Harriet. Okay. The M. Harriet. Yeah. Who could forget? The SSM Harriet. The real fifth gorilla. Yeah. Does that make the um, does that make the battleship Ringo the seventh one? That's the seventh gorilla. That's There's the seventh gorilla. There's two ships and four human beings. Yeah. <laughs> okay, are you ready for the roundtable, Trevor? 
sure. Yeah, let's let's uh, let's let's get things mixed up this week and talk about uh, Gorillaz Mix and Roadkill. Yeah, yeah. I watch zombie movies all day. Uh, noodle practice karate and prunes are bonsai. And uh, Russell is the, the school's the local Skinner community. And I just sit there making packs with the devil. Hey, Satan. <laughs> Today we're going to be talking about uh, two definite oddities. Yeah, we are deep into the weeds of like Gorillaz releases now. I've like never felt that more, I think, than when I was listening to Gorillaz ish mix. Yeah, for sure. But these are cool and and slept on at the time and still kind of slept on. So maybe hopefully we'll 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 get more eyes or more ears on these things. Although Gorillaz ish is not the easiest thing to track down. So good luck to you. Yeah. Let's um let's just high level this real quick though. What we're going to be talking about today are these two kind of little almost promotional mixtapes yes. that the uh, band's producers from phase one and phase two respectively kind of put together uh, to like, uh, you know, in the months, I guess, surrounding the release of those albums. Yeah, that's right. We have Gorillaz Ish Mix in 2001 and, and, and Roadkill, the mixtape mixed by Russell Hobbs, 2005. Right. I think it's pretty cool that they uh, throw him a little shout out, but these both uh, kind of function like um, very differently than each other. And we're going to see that as we talk about them. So uh, they're definitely companions. They're absolutely totally two of a kind. You know, there's no way to not. And in fact, while I was listening to these, what I kept thinking, Trevor, was I would really love if Tone would do one of these for this phase. Wouldn't that be really neat? What if Damon had one had done one for uh, Plastic Beach? That would have been something for sure. (laughs) But but but, you know, Tone. If Tone did one, that would be really cool for a few reasons. One, you got to love the symmetry of of having every time an outside producer does a Gorillaz album, they do one of these. But also, both of these in their own way are kind of approximating DJ sets. Absolutely. Twilight Tone actually has pedigree of like he's he's a club tested and and approved Chicago DJ. Yeah. So you would have to imagine his version of one of these might even be a little bit more authentic than than Dan's and Brian's. So just to be clear, Dan the Automator made Gorillaz ish mix and Brian Burton, aka DJ DJ Danger Mouse, made uh Roadkill and this is kind of their two approaches. We're gonna start with Dan's, right? Anything else that needs to be said? Um I think that's a pretty good overview to begin with, so let's get into Gorillaz ish mix. Okay, let me tell let me give a little bit of info about how this was put out and what we know about it, okay? All right, let's hear it. There used to be a series of of promotional like compilation CDs issued, I believe like four times a year maybe or maybe a little bit more often not quite monthly called the cornerstone player now uh they were issued from 1999 until 2008 by a company called the cornerstone agency uh which is still the the agency still exists the the cd thing doesn't anymore because it's 2017 how are you going to be subscribing to get you know, compilation CDs in this day and age. It wouldn't make Reading about that kind of stuff while listening to these uh, mixtapes was a real trip. Yeah, well, I, the other weird trip was trying to understand exactly what the Cornerstone Agency is. I ultimately figured out that they are a PR group, but like most PR groups, like their website is full of all kinds of weird jargon. Like their, their mission statement, like about <laughs> us, it just says, we don't create for a particular medium. We build platforms that create relationships between our clients and their customers. 
Just corporate. Like, yeah, corporate bullshit. <laughs> Thanks. We appreciate it. But th- this is weird. So this was the 24th um, edition of the Cornerstone Player, Trevor. And actually, it was a two-disc. Only the second disc was was uh, Gorilla-ish mix. The first disc was just like some rando compilation of Cornerstone Player artists or whatever of the era. I don't know. What what was your experience going back to Gorilla-ish mix? You know what, you know what I thought it was? I thought it was somehow both... Like ahead of its time, for its time, and also very dated. It's very dated. Like, I think that was my reaction to it, like, first and foremost. Well, my first reaction was, okay, I can't find a good copy of this album. Maybe I'll ask Dylan and he has one. And you get and you said, Yeah, I found a great rip. And you send it to me, and it's like a 32 kilobytes <laughs> mono rip of this album. Right, right. Which is what I had found and decided to try and ask you for a better copy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the the transitions at least worked. I found a few were because it's a DJ set, you know. You're oh no! To beat oh, back. mine mine did have the right transitions. Some of them were just like really bad, and I thought there must have been some mistake going on. <laughs> well, you know, let's that that speaks to to Automator. That speaks to Automator uh, mm-hmm. and and his particular set of skills. Uh, you know what I did, Trevor? I bothered to come up with three adjectives to describe both of these things. I don't know if you did, but I did. <laughs> I didn't, but let's hear yours. <laughs> you want to hear mine? Okay, here are mine. Uh, epitomizing, conservative, and slapdash. Those are my three for Gorillaz-ish mix. Epitomizing because I feel like by the end of this thing, you certainly know everything there is to know about, like, Dan the Automator's aesthetic. Yeah. Like yeah, there's, I mean, it's it's the epitome of his taste and the thing that he does. This slides right in next to like a handsome boy modeling school, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And conservative because he's like, okay, I got to have three New York MCs on here. And he just picks like the three most obvious. I got to have like one, you know, critical consensus rock album. And he picks the one that you would pick in 2001. You know, like it just like every every choice is kind of like the safe choice. You know what I mean? And then slapdash because, like you said, some of these transitions are very afterthoughty. They're yeah, very yeah, yeah. afterthoughty. Mm-hmm. But let's 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 start it off with a highlight because I, there's two kind of like apex tape, damn the automator remix pieces on here, and I think both mm-hmm. of them are really clear highlights for the. They're for the surprisingly whole like sublime little snippets. Yeah, I agree. They they feel more like lost little gorillas gems somehow. You know, almost like they feel, yeah. And there's something just nice about him starting this one off with like a, like the little brief clip of the interview where he like describes all, what all the characters do as their hobbies. Yeah, I watch zombie movies all day, et cetera, et cetera. And I can't quite tell what he's laying there in the back, but it, you know, it feels appropriately automatory. It feels that is um that is the first track uh, from, and I I'm so bummed that I blew this joke on like our last episode. I think it was. <laughs> That's the opening track to an album called uh, The Hour of Bewilderbeast by. Badly drawn boy. Oh, badly drawn boy. Oh, do you think that's a little? Is. Do you think that's a little joke? That, you know what? I wouldn't put it past Dan because one thing he is definitely is clever. Like when you watch him in those those interviews, he definitely cuts up. You know, right right up there with with Jamie and Damon. That's actually a really good album. I um I liked this intro so much. I liked the piece of music. I like found out what it was, and I got um I got the album it's from, and it ended up being one of my first like like indie records oh interesting so kind of yeah so this in a way gorillas ish mix opened up a door to an entirely new genre that would become incredibly important to me so that's hey. that's funny the the equivalent record for me trevor was the internal wrangler by clinic and i found that 
watching MTV2 waiting to watch Clint Eastwood. So hmm. Gorillaz also had something to do with me discovering indie rock. Uh, okay. it's, always, it's always a journey with these boys. So let me ask you then, being more familiar with the source material than me, is Automator doing anything to that sample? Because it's, it's always hit or miss whether or not he's just going to play it straight or put his own little touch on it. He throws that uh, break over it. Right, okay. So that's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's what he does. He beat matches some, some drums over it. Yeah, it's a percussionless piece. That is his signature move, for sure, yeah, by the way. pretty much. His signature and it's move a very, is... And it's a very automator break, too. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he follows it up with Cash Money and Marvelous with Ugly People Be Quiet. This is like the first of the three old-school uh, uh, New York hip-hop selections on this record. Incredible name for a song. Ugly People Be Quiet? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I, hate, I hate Marvelous. I think Marvelous is a shitty rapper. Like, I've always kind of hated Marvelous. Like... For example, the the fourth verse of this uh, uh, song, Trevor, which Dan wisely does not include in this mix, uh, he even at one point in the middle of the verse goes, people, ugly. Ugly people is the name and the theme. (laughs) Like he literally, that's just the work of a man who just wanted to go home. (laughs) He forgot, he'd run out of things to say. (laughs) I mean, I don't like this song. I I can kind of feel him. Listening to this song makes me want to go home. It is worth mentioning, though, Trevor, that like in 2001, the hip-hop nostalgia machine was probably not fully up and running. So it was probably a little bit more novel for him to grab something like a brand Nubian or an EPMD or something like that. Like, oh, shit, this old school stuff like that isn't necessarily as common of a reference in 2001 as it would be today you know right yeah yeah i don't know i just don't like the song that much no it's not it's not a great song good good beat pretty good beat that's that's on cash money cash money is is probably the talent of those two marvelous be quiet (laughs) and then he and then he just beat matches right into rocking it by brand newbie and that's a classic yeah it's a decent enough transition that's got uh, that's got uh, Grand Poobah, Sadat X, and Lord Jamar, brand Nubian, a, a, a seminal uh, East Coast kind of alternative hip hop. When that was the newly coined phrase in like the 1990s, after De La Soul is Dead came out or whatever, uh, kind of like backpacker shit. Yeah, backpacker shit, and and it's got some good stuff in it. I mean, none, none of those three ever hit it big solo, although. Uh, Sadat X, I remember having a really good album around this time that was solo, like, that was kind of like a blog curiosity. (laughs) That was probably as far as those gentlemen made it outside of Brand Nubian. But this is a a better song than Ugly People Be Quiet, at least. Yeah, I mean, this is like a semi-classic, right? Definitely. I mean, you know, Brand Nubian, that's, that's, uh... For a certain kind of New York nerd, which I think we can definitely agree is what Dan the Automator is, Brand Nubian sure. must be like, you know, on your Mount Rushmore of of uh, hip hop. Yeah. So again, very, very Automator. This is shaping up to be very Automator so far. It's it's quite autobiographical in a way yeah. of of his taste. This this uh, collection. And then we go into another um, clip from the Apex tapes. It's the uh, you pay peanuts, you get monkeys. You pay top dollar, you get gorillas clip. This, uh, again, a highlight. Again, totally a highlight. Yeah. You know, to the extent that there is a top three on this on this thing, these two are definitely in it. I love the I love that kind of like Doom-like name-checking samples. You know, the automator, give me a break. That's great. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. That's some of like the most fun stuff going on here, I think. But what about the rule of threes? Isn't it weird how we have two of these and then it just kind of abandons that thread for the rest of yeah, it? Yeah, and they're both so front-loaded. Kind of weird, right? Like, you'd think they would at least return to it somewhere close to the end, but uh, they really don't. 
he doesn't. He kind of the, the only thing is later he does some handsome boy modeling school shit that I guess would kind of serve as the third of these, but you know, mm, yeah. kind of. And then he beat matches straight into Tomorrow Comes Today, which he sped up a, a decent amount. Um, doesn't doesn't sound great in my opinion. Doesn't sound great. Uh, it is a little different though. Did you notice that the, that that little bass leak that ends Tomorrow Comes Today and, and usually like goes comes back up to to tee up New Genius instead it's just like keeps going down, gets lower and lower. I got to be honest with you, and this might surprise you. I was not able to pick up on that subtle difference while listening to a 32 kilobyte per second rip of this album in mono. <laughs> well, I thought that was interesting. It, clearly, he was he was messing with his own stems of the record to do that. Um, I guess so. Yeah, which is which is kind of interesting. I guess that makes this somewhat of a curiosity for the absolute completest Gorillaz fan that there is. Yeah. A, um, a slightly different from the album version of Tomorrow somebody, Comes Today. Somebody out there has in their iTunes library Tomorrow Comes Today parentheses girl is a schmick slightly set up with a <laughs> spike. <laughs> right? And they're my hero. They're my hero. Yeah. yeah. Tagged Dark Pop, of course. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Wait, 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 wait. Speaking of that, the original uh, copy of this that I downloaded from... Uh, a file sharing service called Soulseek. Oh man, Soulseek! I dragged it in my iTunes library. Sure enough, tagged Dark Pop. Dark Pop. Thanks, Soulseeker. Someone's out there just still doing it. Love it. Good for him. Yeah. And Soulseek's still doing it. Good for Soulseek. Soulseek is like honestly, like I cannot believe some of the stuff you can find on there. Yeah, you can probably find a bunch of things misattributed to Weird Al Yankovic on there. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Most of it is just Bill Clinton saying, uh, "I did not have sexual relations with that woman." Oh, gotta love that. Gotta love that late 90s, early 2000s internet humor. The LimeWire days. So wh how deep into the a message from J&H production shit did you dig in? I This shit was unbearable for me. Okay, so this is a, this is a bit of a rabbit hole, though. <laughs> okay, take me down. Uh, have you ever watched that documentary, Shut Up, Little Man? Nope. Or how about Winnebago Man? No. So both of these are examples of pre-internet viral content where by trading uh, cassette tapes or VHS tapes, you know, cultural paraphernalia oddities uh, spread in the, in the college dorm rooms of America for burnouts to watch and laugh at, right? Sure. Uh, another, there's another classic one of who's that old band leader he's like yelling at his, his band, you know, he's calling them all fuckers. And anyway, things like that. One of these Damon Albarn? Yeah, it was David Albarn, classic big band leader. <laughs> Uh, now, one of these tapes, uh, Trevor, was a, a message from J&H Productions. It's a cassette tape containing two very long, very crazy uh, messages left on the answer phone of, of Warner Music by a man who keeps referring to himself as J&H Productions and explaining why they need to sign him immediately and all of the things that he can bring to the table. Okay. So we get two snippets of this message on this mixtape and again trevor i think that this is excellent character development for the specific kind of weed smoking yeah. new york city nerd yeah. that dan the automator is definitely <laughs> but listening to it made these 47 seconds feel like an hour and a half for some reason you know the full message i didn't find it particularly funny but i could see you know it being 1997 and I'm really stoned and hanging out with people who I think are cool and they're playing it for me and thinking it's funny. And then we transition out of that message, Trevor, into what I believe begins a suite of why is this on this, this mixtape? Sure. 
I agree with you there. <laughs> we start with Sizzla, which the track is credited on the liner notes to as Judgment Day. Uh, Sizzla, by the way, hardcore Jamaican rapper. Uh, and I actually think that this track is the anti-up remix of a song called Herdedem. Sure. And it's not bad. Like, I think this it, it is really interesting, like, how hard DMX ripped off Sizzla. Mm-hmm. Like, that's something I've heard before, but just hearing this remix of this song, I'm like, man, DMX was, like, really, really doing the whole Sizzla thing. I really love the beat here, though. Great beat. Great yeah. beat. Bam, bam. Yeah, really fun. I, I, really good. Weird, weird on an automator mix. Not exactly sure what he's trying to say, including this on here, other than maybe saying, like, wake up after I just played you that boring <laughs> message from that dude. Uh, I would say to our listeners, though, probably hold off on taking a dive into Sisla's discography unless, unless you don't care about a lot of a rapper's lyrics involving murdering gay men because that's certainly what Sizzla likes to rap about. And he gets the uh, Dan the Automator seal of approval. <laughs> Thanks, Sizzla. Thanks, Dan. And then we get another message from JH Productions. Thanks for another one of those. Appreciate it. Yeah, and then we hard pivot into what I think is the sorest thumb here, a six-minute song by, well, it's a six-minute radio edit of the Icelandic post-rock band, and I know I'm saying their name wrong, Sugar Rose. Yeah, and the song, I believe, if I recall from, from giving a, a big shit about this band back in the day, I believe that the, the, the title of the song is Febin Ganglar. I believe that's how it's uh, pronounced, Trevor. Right, but um, according to Discogs, um, it's all it's like um, incorrectly titled uh, Starlfer. That's a different Chigarose song, That's a song, different though. song on that album, yeah. Nobody was paying too close of attention to this thing, I guess, so. I guess not, I mean... But, like, yeah, it's a six-minute edit of, like, a ten-minute song. What is it doing here? What is it doing here? So, for the first... The intro, like, every four bars, you can hear Parrish from EPMD going, You got to chill. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> it, look, Seven Ganglar is a beautiful song. It's definitely still... It. It's one it. of the defining Sugar Rose songs, absolutely. This does... This is supposed to be like a DJ set, right? Yeah, so let's just, you know, slip everybody in Ambien and put on, like, music for airports or something. And now, six minutes of this. It's you! And you know what? You know what? The I think you know what the best way to experience, like, the, like, uh, the, like, glacier-like majestic beauty of a Sugar Rose track as a, like, 32 kilobyte per second recording radio edit, like, ripped in mono. <laughs> Right, yeah, that low bit rate really does it a lot of favors, doesn't it? Yeah. Look, I get it. Al Gaines, Barry Yoon, it, like, it, everybody loves it. Everybody loves that record. I'm sure you did too, Dan. What are you trying to say, putting the big single from it on your mixtape, like, two years after it came out? Like, I'm not sure what he's saying. Was that a... Sorry, was there a big single from that record? Yeah, it was. It, it, this got, was this it? got. Yeah, I believe the, the video for this was on MTV and et cetera, et cetera. Like, this was, huh. this was the, the college radio station hit, I guess. I remember, I remember Starfire being in there um, in Life Aquatic. That was a thing, too. Yeah, I remember that was a great. That, that was a powerful scene. Powerful scene. Wes Anderson knows how to soundtrack a film. Well, does he think he's putting us on to Sugar Rose? Like, is he, does he feel like he's breaking them? 
Is that what he thinks he's doing? If he does, this isn't the time or the place, Dan. No, it's a weird, it's a weird choice. I agree. But then maybe something a little bit more conservative. Back to the the conservative choices with a, with a Mario C and Dan the Automator remix of an already Dan the Automator beat. Uh, positive contact from Deltron 3030. Right. Now, I haven't listened to um, Deltron in a while or Positive Contact. How different is this than the album version? Because I didn't notice really anything. Well, the beat is significantly different. There's like a sax thing in this version that isn't on the on the the album version. Um, yeah, it's different. There's there's uh, there's more instrumentation on the album version that isn't here either. It's not hmm. it's not it's not like through the looking glass, but it's but it's definitely different. This is to me. I here's my association with the song. I always get Dell saying twenty percent matter, thirty percent is energy stuck in my head like at random times, like when I'm like cleaning the kitchen or something. That's great. Whenever this song comes up, I'm like, oh, here it comes. He's gonna say it. He's gonna say it. <laughs> Whenever I listen to it, um, you know, you know our good friend Log S. Yes, of course. Unlike, um, unlike his third, on his like second, I think, Gorillaz remix album, he took this and made it into a mashup like five four. Oh yeah. So every time in uh, you got yeah, in the chorus, he had dropped in the little like she made me kill myself, and I'm always expecting to hear it when I listen to the song now, but it's never there. Not, not as good as the as the vastly superior Log S version as usual. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I am definitely excited to talk more about Deltron later on on this podcast, so it's not really the time or the place, is it? We yeah, should but really that'll, get that'll be a lot of fun. Contact. Yeah. Till then, we got to chill. I think. You want to talk about conservative picks? This is this is a EPMD. You got to chill is like this is New York nerd hip hop one oh one for sure. Uh, EPMD, aka Eric and Parrish making dollars, uh, legends. This song is their their definitive track, or at least you know the most popular track. Uh, we just get the first two verses, which are a good illustration that Parrish is a better rapper than Eric, which is true across their entire catalog. Okay. You know, yeah, it's a classic. What do you want? He just he just lays a little of it in there, and then he moves right along from it. Like you said, character building. Any any thoughts on EPMD? Not really. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's a rite of passage for every white nerdy you know teenager to early 20 year old to dive back into this late 80s early 90s stuff and was it for sure epmd absolutely yeah i've never listened to an epmd song epmd boogie down production these are all these are all important pieces of hip-hop history you should go back okay. and listen to that record there's some good stuff i on guess it. so i guess so dan the automator demands it and he also demands that you remember that handsome boy modeling school was a thing jesus can you like <laughs> When are we going to review those records? I don't know, because it is, it's Automator and Prince Paul, so that's a De La Soul guy. And so uh, really, what's his name shows up a lot, too, uh, Kid Koala. Kid Koala also, so I mean, Del, you know. Del usually pops his head in. There's what? There's the two albums. There's uh, So How's Your Girl, and there's White People, right? That's right. Yeah. And what this is is not a Handsome Boy Modeling School song. No, it's just a promo. I think this is original to this mix, too, which is why I... Which is why I, I uh, kind of think of it as maybe the third part that rounds out the two interview segments yeah i could, I could buy that it's a little bit of a disappointment though because i would have just preferred a third interview segment with a new automator beat behind it um yeah i definitely would trade that in for this so yeah once again handsome boy modeling school it was an automator prince paul collaborative project they made two albums together uh prince paul of course is an, a, a closely associated with de la soul not necessarily a full-fledged member of de la soul but he produced three feet high and rising and and many of their 
best known work. And this is a sample from a really corny infomercial they made to promote their first album. They were all about like the corny like infomercial aesthetic too. I mean, there's tons of that stuff going on on um their two albums. Who would um who would they get to do a lot of skits? Uh, Father Guido Ricci. Yeah, that dude. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> this uses a, a sample from this one dude in that skit who's like this really marble-mouthed uh, announcer who keeps talking about handsome boy modeling school, and you can hear him say stuff like he goes, uh, uh, "You got sixty dollars that's in your pocket. Go to handsome boy modeling school, and you won't be sorry for long." That's literally every song on their albums. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> like, like, just take what Dylan just said. Put it over Kid Claw scratching, and that's a handsome boy modeling boy school song. Yeah, that's what they do. That's what they do. I guess we'll get to those eventually. We got it, right? Yeah, and then we got a, after this, we got a 5 4. That one which shows is, up. Which is a remix. It's like a full fledged Gorillaz remix, automated remix that doesn't exist anywhere else. So that's the thing. Is, is it? Yeah, it's sped up t- 2D vocals. It's got the EPMD beat backing it, backing it up instead of the regular 5 4 beat. Oh, yeah, it does have that EPMD beat, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's not great, but it is technically a, a thing that exists on this and nowhere else. So once again, weirdo, <laughs> make sure to grab the Tomorrow Comes Today version with the alternate outro and this 5-4 Automator yeah. remix. 5-4 Gorillaz-ish mix EPMD mashup remix by Dan the Automator. <laughs> Close parentheses. Put it on SoulSeek and tag it as Dark Pop. <laughs> Do you think this is on here because they thought 5-4 was going to be a single? Yeah, absolutely. Doesn't it? Gotcha. Why else, right? Why else? Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, like, the fact that Tomorrow Comes Today is on here also feels telling about when this was being assembled, you know? Better question, though. Why is this Depeche Mode song on here? <laughs> the the remix of Only When I Lose Myself, the automated yeah. remix. That's that's what closes this one out. It's, it's, like, really set up to be the centerpiece of this thing, too. Like, it feels like he's going for a big finish, you know what I mean? It's a bad remix. It's not a good remix, in my opinion, but... <laughs> It is so damn the automator. Like, it's that chilly New York future jazz aesthetic that he likes, you know? Okay. With, like, little tinkly pianos and, like, a really a really deep kind of crate digger uh, drum, you know, break behind it. Like, and you've got Depeche Mode singing over it. So, so it really There's does... There's a lot of stuff going on. I agree. It, it really does feel like, oh, this is what... Dan brought to that first Gorillaz album. Like, you can hear his sound. The same thing that he did to Tomorrow Comes Today and a lot of songs on that first self-titled. Like, here it is. Here's the thing he does. So in the end, getting through all this stuff is worth it because uh, it leads you to a fully formed picture of the guy who would, you know, come in and add quite a bit to the first Gorillaz album. I think in a way it's a better character building exercise for Dan the Automator than than any of those Handsome Boy Modeling School records or Deltron or or Wanna Buy a Monkey would have been because it's a it's a For sure. He was he was clearly working quickly, which is when which is when you're gonna have all of that kind of subconscious stuff coming out, you know? Yeah, I mean pressure pressure is what results in like uh, character development. Exactly. This was interesting to listen to, not because it's a great mixtape, but because it is an excellent portrait of, of Dan the Automator. A self-portrait. Uh, Road Kill the Mixtape? Do you want to talk about it? <laughs> not, not quite a portrait, so much as like a, um, a good sampling of, I think, what attracted Damon to this guy to begin with. I totally agree with that. I completely agree with that. 
let's give a little bit of background about this thing because it's bizarre, okay? Sure. So first of all, Russell's name is misspelled on the cover, which is very interesting. Yep. It's spelled H-O-B-B-E-S. I feel like that is a classic joke in like deep gorilla circles that actually know about this thing, like yeah, Russell yeah. Hobbs' name being misspelled on the Roadkill mixtape. Yeah, it's it's like a it's like a somehow it seems to be synecdocal of the 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 broader treatment of Russell across the Gorillas project. You know what I mean? Yeah, and like and like you know you'd be in like a Discord or something and like chatting to somebody and they would like they would misspell Russell's name wrong and you'd be like, oh, uh, actually it has like two L's in it, and they'd be like, check <laughs> check the cover for Roadkill the mixtape. It clearly doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> and they'd be like what's that and you know what this was trevor this was available only at the flagship kid robot store i believe there was only one of them in soho in new york city you might have needed to have bought a gorilla's vinyl figure to get one or they might have just been handing them out but the only physical copies of this thing that existed were handed out at kid robot stores and i think there was only one actually not true the official danger mouse email list also run a contest, which uh, oh, offered shit. like um, the first fifty people who replied a copy of the disc. That's true. That was the other source. Oh, good yeah. catch! That's a great catch. You and me, we're getting the whole story out there between the two of us. But but think about how niche that is. Like at least Dan the Automator was probably getting paid by that publishing company, you know, to do this. But it's like here's a thing for Kid Robot, you know, to to give away with their vinyl. Will you make a full mixtape and do brand new mashups for it? And Brian's like, look, I'm new. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely, I will. <laughs> do you know what my headcanon theory about this uh, about this little project is? Yeah, let's hear it. All right, so. Damon finds uh Damon finds this release, right? That he thinks is pretty cool. It's called the Gray Album by this up and coming DJ that a lot of people like haven't really heard of called Danger Mouse, right? Right. He's got some, you know, legal attention from it because it's mashing up uh, some classic Beatles songs that he like totally doesn't have the rights to with some by now classic Jay-Z songs, which he also totally doesn't have the rights to. Right. And Damon's like I kind of want this guy to work on Demon Days, but you know he's got no chops. You know, like I, I got no, I got no, um, I got nothing to go off, right? Except for this uh, mashup mixtape. Why don't I give him a couple, you know, snippets of stuff from the album I'm working on? Oh, you know, as I'm going through this, it doesn't make any sense. But I see, I Why see don't where I give you're him going. Some snippets from the album I'm working on. Give him a list of collab names. Just see what he's able to throw sure, together. Sure. I mean, it, it because of timelines, it wouldn't work, but that is a fascinating, like, in the movie version. Right. A story to tell, you know? Yeah. Here's yeah. another potential headcanon. What if uh, what if Automator was all geared up to produce the second Gorillaz album, and Damon was like, hey, you're my hip-hop nerd news source what should i be listening to he's like oh you should listen to this mashup album called the gray album it's the coolest thing happening in the new york hip-hop nerd circles give it a listen <laughs> and so david did and he's like you're fired i, I believe the gorillas fans and um in a red bulls alt-right would refer to that as being cucked he got cucked <laughs> automator cucked by by the danger mouse now let's never use that word on this podcast again no, until until we have the Red Bull CEO on, and then we'll right. use it. We'll use it liberally then. Yeah, I have three uh, words. Okay, three adjectives. Okay, I have grateful, focused, and crowd pleasing. Those are my three words. Uh, what grateful, do you mean by? Uh, yeah, tell me about grateful. Because I think that the 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 biggest difference that this illustrates between Brian Burton and Dan the Automator is that Brian is happy to be here. 
he's he's excited for the opportunity to make music on this big of a scale and this mixtape is a perfect illustration of that he's like oh shit i get to do this thing whereas dan the automator was more like oh shit i gotta do that thing you know what i mean i feel that i totally get what you mean yeah and it ends up being more about the project that it ends up being about the dude who's making it exactly exactly and focus yeah. because you know he definitely is playing by his own you know idea the, these rules that 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 each of these tracks has to fit into you know yeah, what i mean and it's and it's, it's it is very crowd pleasing too like oh, yeah. he hits like <laughs> he hits some like real mashup like beats here some like vocals from one rap song and putting them over like another rap beat to like you know stupendous effect it's just really like you can definitely it feels like he's playing to a crowd whereas Daniel Ryder sure. felt like he was playing more to like kind of listeners who wouldn't really be familiar with him. Yes, exactly. And and yeah. he also just in terms of like gorilla selections, he makes sure to to hit the big things, you know. Yeah, he's 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 in it to win it. But overall, overall, this is a much more listenable concoction than Gorillaz. I just want to say that it's, right away. It's so much fun. It's really fun. It's it's, it's really full fun. of like Little twists and turns and surprises and exciting uh, moments. Like you mentioned surprises. Like when I was listening to this the other day, like for the first time in probably more than 10 years, which is crazy. Like I had no idea what like, what was, I kind of vaguely remembered it. Like all I really remembered was that he took a passing me by and put the um, tomorrow comes today drums under it. But I couldn't remember anything else that happened. And like, when it started getting more and more mashupy, I was like, "Oh, should I look up the track list?" And then I like decided no because I wanted to see what he like kept throwing at me yeah, and take being me surprised because you know? it was so much fun, really fun. He like, and it just gets better and better kind of as it goes on until I like agree. culminates in like one of the last like tracks on there. It's just really cool. He does a much better job building an arc. Like I, if we go back to Gorilla oh, yeah. this mix real quick, which which I know we don't want to. Like I feel like. I feel like from Message with J&H production, this kind of all downhill from there, you know? Yeah, I mean, you don't see Danger Mouse dropping a six-minute, essentially an ambient song into the like third <laughs> act of his mixtape. Like that Martina Topley Bird moment is the closest thing to that, but it's used very smartly, you know? Yes, very. It's used to great effect, I think. Okay, okay. This is this is all the, the bedrock we need to get right into it. So let's talk about this, this version of Kids with Guns that we get at the top. Which is an interesting way to open the tape, Kids with Guns. It's like a very kind of low-key, muted beginning. It is, and and he uses it as kind of a bed for some dialogue from Easy Rider. I have this this memory of this dialogue, and I might just be misremembering it as only being on this mixtape, Trevor, but I have this memory of... Because uh, it's a conversation from, from Easy Rider where they're like, what about freedom, man? And it's like, yeah, you know, that's what it's all about, but don't tell anybody they're not free or they'll get maiming and killing to prove, prove that, that they, they are. are, right? Yeah. I, I, for some reason, I remembered that being on somebody's PC at, in the Phase Two Kong website, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe that's just a, a half-remembered mistruth or something. If it is, do you think it was on the website because of its appearance here? Could be. Yeah, that could, or vice versa. Maybe wasn't Danger Mouse supposedly like exploring Kong Studios and finding new rooms? Maybe. Yeah, that's that's true. He was he was canonically in the studio. That's true. Maybe maybe yeah. he was delving into somebody's PC and finding that out. Yeah. You can really trace how big of a moment it must have been to have Dennis Hopper in that studio just by like how referential everybody who is there is of that moment. Yeah, I mean his his appearances framed the tape. For sure. Carrie Carrie made a big deal of it in bananas and now 
here you have Brian making a big deal of it on Roadkill. This was this was definitely the the one of the defining behind the scenes moments of Demon Days. Must have been having Denison to to record that for sure, for sure. And so uh, after we get that, we uh, leap right into uh, the lead single, Feel Good Incorporated, which is just served straight up. It served straight pretty up. much. Yeah, we get the first uh, we get the first chorus. I mean, we get the first verse, we get the chorus, then we get De La Soul's verse, and then it kind of transitions into the next one right I, I feel like we don't really need to talk about feel good ink anymore no except for the only thing i did have i did have like a small emotional moment that registered for me where i was kind of like imagining this song through brian's ears like you've gone from being this dude with no money who's being sued by the biggest record label in in the world to like now you have this huge hit on the radio like how weird that song must be to him to think back on you know you know it wouldn't be his first time just being on top of the radio for a good while because i mean he also he followed that right up with uh crazy right crazy was was right on the heels of it yeah the, cra- the especially were a big time for uh danger mass and especially in the uk crazy was insane like crazy broke beatles records and shit yeah Okay, and then and then we go right into an early highlight with Gorillas on the Far Side with the Passing Me By Tomorrow Comes Today mashup. This works really well. It works really good. I love the I love the Summer in the City Quincy Jones organ sample from Passing Me By. Like that goes over that Tomorrow Comes Today beat so well. That that little organ, you know? Yeah, they keep it I feel like they keep it around a little too long once Damon's vocals come in, but initially it sounds really good and like the other elements of Tomorrow Comes Today like the uh, piano and stuff coming in behind Booty Brown's verse sounds really great too. And it is kind of a fun match of themes when when they do use damon's verse because you know that booty brown verse from passing me by it's like an it's unassailably a classic of, of alternative hip hop. yeah you know absolutely uh and it's very wistful it's it's like it's about very different things than tomorrow comes today but i feel like emotionally it hits a lot of the same beats it's got the same kind of uh, nostalgic melancholy to it i think and of course it also has <laughs> the unforgettable booty brown delivery of Oh, how I wish could, I could hold her hand and give her a hug. That's like such a <laughs> classic. In my used to days, I used to scorn his dash. Yeah. <laughs> could you imagine like the word hug appearing in anybody else's verse in 2017? Like, is 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 Kanye as de- emasculated enough to pull off talking about giving somebody a hug in a rap song? Hey, uh, I mean, nobody accused uh, Kanye West of being um, emasculine more than 50 Cent did, and he says it in his biggest single. That's true, he does. <laughs> Come give me a hug. I love that that's a lyric in, in the club. Oh, Come what, give me a hug. It's so good. It's so good. It goes by fast enough, you almost miss it, but it's right there. Almost, yeah. Um, I guess we'll talk a little bit more about Passing Me By when we inevitably end up talking about Bizarre Ride. I know you have very complicated feelings about Bizarre Ride. Well, I don't think they're, I don't think they're too complicated. I feel like I'm pretty pretty firmly on one side of it although i am in the minority well at least you must you must acknowledge the power of passing me by it's a great song yeah but it ends with a belch that makes me very 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 uncomfortable (laughs) that's true it does end with a burp also the official version of uh passing me by is not as good as the very rare obscure one from the unmixed version of the album can't say i've ever heard it trev didn't weren't weren't expecting me to drop that deep far side trivia on you were you yeah that's that's way outside of my spectrum i haven't gotten that deep on it it's got a little bit of a different sample on it because I think um, 
the sample was supposed to be from Are You Experienced? Oh, interesting. And they weren't able to weren't able to clear it. But this is a lovely this is a lovely Reese's peanut butter and chocolate like concoction yeah, between very crowd pleasing. Gorillas on the far side. Very good. Very good. Mm-hmm, top three, mm-hmm. absolutely top three on the record. And then Danger Mouse lets that uh tomorrow comes today break take us right into uh Trouble Up the Road by Ike Turner. Yeah, well, it's actually Jackie Brenston's the singer, and then it's, you know, Ike, Ike Turner wrote the song, and he's right. he's doing all the orchestration. and, and I gotcha. I gotcha. I don't know my shit. But this sounds great. That guitar coming in over the beat, really cool. Great. Ike Turner, Ike Turner was a, a really good band leader. For all the shit that I give Ike Turner on this show, I am definitely mm-hmm. excited for the day when we eventually take a look at that, that record that everybody loves of his. From- the first rock and roll song ever? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Jackie Brenston's really cool, though. His vocal delivery is really fun. And, and uh, this is a neat little, almost more automatory take. Here's a breakbeat that Automator selected from an old song and, uh, yeah. and uh, some old music that we're putting over it. You know, that's, a, mm-hmm. that's a, not necessarily the move that we normally get from Burton, but it's very crowd-pleasing. Yeah, and he follows it up pretty seamlessly with uh, by transitioning into Curls from uh, Mad Villain. What a great song from a great album really that, I, that I can't wait to talk about on the show. Let's try and get something to eat. Uh, my favorite lyric on this song is and will always be, if you want to sip, get a paper water fountain glass. How, How am I supposed, supposed to, to know, know where, where your, your mouth, mouth been, been last? last? Yeah, really good. <laughs> Just the phrase paper water fountain glass is good. Yeah, who's ever referred to one of those cones as that? Like, I, lo- I love A, that he's talking about one of those things because it's great. <laughs> And two, paper, water, fountain, glass is just a I, great name. I love MF Doom. <laughs> have you been uh, Have you been keeping up with the songs he's been releasing this summer? Yeah, I have. I'm, I'm I'm pretty excited about it. Actually, I think there's some some real gems in there. Actually, I've been waiting till they all come out and to just like go through them uh, one by one. But I'm I'm excited for it. I love him. I'm excited for the first time we finally have a whole episode to talk about MF Doom on the show because that dude is amazing, and I can't wait to talk about him with you. Know what one of my dream guests would be? A doom poster. Oh, wouldn't that be great? That like, would be a get, lot of fun. You get him to claim he's going to come on. It's clearly not him, and we're like awkwardly <laughs> playing along with it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, okay, and then we go. Speaking of crowd pleasing, <laughs> speaking of crowd pleasing, he beat matches straight into a very sped up version of Clint Eastwood here. Yeah, noticeably. It does not sound great. It does not, not sound not, great. Not particularly. Does he double up on the cymbals too? I feel like we got eight crashes instead of four. Yeah, like he's like, hey, you guys know what's coming. Yeah, you know? pretty much. Yeah, drum roll, please. It's like a very McCartney move, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the double Macca. Double <laughs> when McCartney's going to play, hey, Jude, you're going to feel it. You know, here it comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But Clint Eastwood leads really, really well into this Martina Topley Bird song. Like, that is yeah. a sick ass transition with the this symbols is like going into really it. really lovely. And he is doing some stuff to the song that is not present on the. Uh, the original version to the album version like the drums are all different on this i feel like right. he might have actually been working with some stems perhaps like maybe he got some from martina or something possibly but uh but this is this is top three for me too i think that this is this is really beautiful mm-hmm. it's just and it's such a good break in the like uh album as well this is it's it almost serves as like the uh, same function i think as martina topley bird's contribution to all alone does Kind of it shoots us off into space for a second before we get brought back down that's a great point and it and it's yeah. maybe what Automator was trying to do with that Sigur Rós song, but it's certainly more effective. Yeah, yeah. 
I just love that vulnerable voice, and, and this is a really nice haunting melody for it to wrap around to. I think her album that she did with Tricky is still probably the defining release from her, but but this is from her uh, her first solo record, which I should go back to because I, I don't remember it very well. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the show sometime. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we will. Martina Tapley Bird, if I recall, one of those collaborators who also got a producer credit on Demon Days for what it's worth. Right, which you said you think just meant she tracked her own vocals? That's what I would guess. She probably did her engineering herself remotely from somewhere, would be my guess. Yeah, something like that. So then after this uh, Topley Bird track, we get two back-to-back Gorilla songs. We got Dare and Oh Green World. Pretty cool transition in between the two, though. Yeah, I kind of wish he'd gone full in and just done a done a, a mashup, you know? That would have been pretty sick. The the, the moment where, where one becomes the other is pretty awesome. I would have definitely been down for that. I love Darren O Green World, so I'm not complaining that they're both here. They're, they're... An interesting thought that I had while listening to O Green World in this context was that um, I think in like the universe right next door to ours, O Green World could have been a single. You know, I, I don't disagree with you. I feel like they probably would have made a few different choices in the mix if they'd been producing it like with that in mind. Mm-hmm. It almost would have been a good first single, I think. For sure. I mean, obviously... We we live in the in the correct universe. Yeah, in in a world where there's no feel good ink, or if they even just wanted to like set a different vibe for the phase, I think coming in with O Green World would have been an interesting move. I think that's what they were trying to do with Stylo too, to an extent. Where like neither of yes. them thought that Stylo was a big hit, but they thought it was the the where they wanted to start from. You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But you know, feel good ink, of course. Feel good ink. Top yeah. that. Then we get a great, great little song here. Oh yeah, we get that. This I was talking to you when this came up on the mix. Like this, this I totally forgot that this even existed. So this is a uh, the song is the only one, and it's from a collaboration that Danger Mouse did with rapper Gemini. Mm-hmm. Ghetto Pop Life. Ghetto Pop Life. I literally forgot this album existed, Trevor. You uh, and me both, dude. It's so easy to remember the narrative of like there was this guy he came out of nowhere with the Gray album, but that's not true because. Ghetto Pop Life was a not a, a giant high profile release, but it was definitely like a widely reviewed and and not a super underground release uh, from Danger Mouse and his introduction as a as a producer. Yeah, not only did he produce it, but Gemini actually screams his name a lot on it too. <laughs> yeah, it's one of those. I kind love of that deals. though. It's like it, him shouting Danger Mouse is a great hook. Yeah, like it, it works is. so well. Danger Mouse, Danger Mouse. Danger Mouse, Danger Mouse, yeah. J-j-j-j-j- Gemini. He's got some good lyrics on here, too. Like, he's my favorite Gemini lyric on here is, My vocal presentation is intrude the subliminal, included with vitamins for your psyche plus minerals. There's some good... That's great. That's a, a whole, that whole album is good, man. Yeah, Gemini, where's he? I haven't heard from him in fucking ages. Where Gemini, is that guy? Gemini, come be on the show. Come be on the show, right? It definitely sounds like at this stage... Danger Mouse was like really influenced by Dilla and like that Blueprint era Kanye thing of like soul samples, totally. speed them up, like speed you know. it up till it's like the Chipmunks voice. Absolutely, you know, which he, which he would definitely very quickly move on from. But this is a fun snapshot yeah. of like a, a moment in his development. You know, and I love that it's included here because this is Danger Mouse allowing himself to have his own track on this uh, little collaborator showcase. <laughs> yeah, definitely, it's very yeah. it's very fun. So then comes the actual highlight mashup of the of the whole record, Trevor. In the my peak. Opinion. It is the climax. It is so good. I'm very excited about it. It is the mashup of Ooh 
by De La Soul and Dirty Harry by Gorillaz. Redman also appears on that song, so we're we're definitely through the Gorillaz Ouroboros on this one. Oh, well, yeah, I mean he's he's taking everyone in here. <laughs> this is the third Redman collaboration. <laughs> do you think that Redman being here is kind of like? Do you think we can read into it a little bit? Maybe Redman was supposed to contribute to Demon Days. I don't know about that, but but he I would quite be surprised. taken with the project when he helped them out with uh, Gorillas on My Mind. Well, that's he true. But like I, on board, I wouldn't be surprised though if Redman being here is a reference to like how deep Danger Mouse had dived into the background of Gorillas to get ready for this job. You know, I like that too. I like that too. Like I bet I bet he's playing this for Damon, and Damon's like, oh yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Do you think Redman knows that this exists? There's no way that Redman knows no this exists. No way. No way. <laughs> De La Soul did a really good rendition of Ooh at, uh, at the Demon Days Festival, by the way. Really? Cool. Very crowd bumping. I do think, though, if, if, if 2005 Damon had given Redman that call, like, hey, you want to be on Demon Days? Redman would have been like, hell yeah, I want to be on Demon Days. Yeah, I bet he would have done it. Like, it's so, yeah. it's so interesting because it, as it stands, it more feels like gorillas are kind of chasing his coattails, you know? Where, like, doing a song over a beat that's not even original from them and then they're trying to remix one of his songs like it's yeah. almost like a misconnection of music kind of like a craigslist misconnection but man this this mashup is so good it's so much fun to hear dirty the dirty harry beat being used for something other than like an iraq war song Yes, yes, because it's a it's a very fun bouncy. It's such a fun bouncy beat. I almost feel like it's wasted on Dirty Harry. I know it, it would be really cool to hear it in other contexts. Like I'm super glad that this exists for that reason because it's like Ooh is a really fun song. It's not my fault your ass on the asphalt. Yes, I love I love when Posh summarizes De La Soul in that song by saying most crew most crews are post current while we're forever. Direct beats that's contagious, loved by all ages. That's <laughs> that is it. De La Soul in a, in a nutshell. But yeah, it's such a what a what a fun and amazing way to like actually. This is you know the real finale of the yeah. of the thing, and then we got like a little outro after. But like, I'm like talk about crowd pleasing. This is this the equivalent on Gorillaz Mix is the automator remix of that Depeche Mode song. <laughs> Like, I don't think it's any big secret that we have a clear favorite between these two producers, yeah, not just yeah. between these two mixtapes. I know we mentioned him uh, already on the show, but uh, Log S on his most recent uh, Gorillaz uh, mashup album, this almost reminds me of that great little surprise guest he sneaks onto. Uh, oh, yeah, on, on Let Me Out, on LMO. Same kind of moment, I think. Yeah, if you haven't gone back and listened to Apocalypse After Party, you should totally do it. If for no other reason than Lagas has promised us that he's going to be releasing a super deluxe vinyl edition with 10 bonus tracks on it right, if he right. gets to 1,000 views of Apocalypse After Party. So go check it out on on, uh, on YouTube and listen for that amazing surprise guest <laughs> on the song LMO, which I still won't spoil. I'll definitely still not, not spoil definitely it. not. <laughs> so then we uh, then we wrap things up by uh, returning to uh, Dennis Hopper. Yeah, and over over Last Living Souls. I like how he uses Last Living Souls as an outro track, as where it's kind of like you know it's the grand opening of Demon Days, and it works super well. 
It does. It's almost like now go listen to the album. You know. I feel like I feel like every good album opener should also work well as a good album closer. That's a good point. That's a good point. And you know, recently Kendrick Lamar said that you can listen to "Damn" backwards. That he intended the sequencing so that you could listen to it from the last song to the first song, and it would tell a different story. I bet you Demon Days would do a similar thing. To be honest. Sure. Totally. I mean, if it wasn't for those crossfades, maybe if you use the Spotify version without the crossfades, and you can you can kind of go back through it. I bet it would really work. You could also use your um, Vinyl Me Please Demon Days vinyl. You could also use that one except for you might end up with two side C's or whatever the problem was with a lot of those people. <laughs> poor souls. Uh, those poor last living souls. Hey, this takes us to the end of these two mixtapes. I think we learned a lot about these these men, their, their uh, appreciation for their position in the gorillas canon and uh, and etc. And what it says about them that these were the kind of projects they turned in with uh, given the task of doing this. What do you think is the actual like state of the relationship between Damon and the people who are no longer associated with the gorillas project? Like, do you think that they're, do you think that Damon just, do you think he just moves on or is it case by case? Is there bad blood at times and, and other times he just thinks of he's not he doesn't think of the past anymore. He wants to move on to something new. I feel like he works with too many people to really hold grudges. If there if anything bad ever does come up, that does make sense. That does make yeah. sense. You know, we're we're on the eve of what would what by Damon's word will be a second the Good the Bad and the Queen album. The question is: Is Danger Mouse a member of the Good the Bad and the Queen? Oh man, I always forget he produced that album. He sure did. He sure did. I know a lot of people who will tell you that Danger Mouse ruined that album. Well, you know, I, I get where they're coming from. He certainly brings his own Danger Mousey feel to it. At definitely at uh, to this like very quiet album by British people about British people. So it is definitely a weird match, but. Does Damon think of Danger Mouse when he goes back to make a new Good, the Bad, and the Queen album, or is that the last thing on his mind? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer to that question. Hopefully, we'll have to find out. Yeah, hopefully, we'll find out. Hopefully, someday we'll have Dan Nakamura on the on the podcast, and we'll figure out why they took all those snipes at him at Rise of, in Rise of the Yogurt, too. Do you think when um, Danger Mouse was uh, doing some production work for uh, the most recent U2 album, he was sitting there thinking, you know, I kind of got my start by working... For a dude who, in an interview with me, <laughs> once made a point to talk about this guy's leather pants. It would make me endlessly happy if that popped into his mind. That's that's how it goes with gorillas. It's all about the journeys, you know? Everything sure always is. comes full circle. Uh, you know what else comes full circle? Every episode of Hallelujah Monkeys, when I tell you to check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, YouTube, Instagram, Amino. You can send us an email at hallelujahmonkeys at gmail.com. You can write us a review on iTunes. You can join our Discord server at discord.me slash monkeys with a Z or support the show with a monthly donation on patreon.com slash hallelujahmonkeys. Once again, thank you so much to those of you who have signed up to support the show. It means so much to us. We really do appreciate it. Cheers. So don't, should we uh, should we wrap up? Say goodbye. I don't know. We could just sit here and keep waxing philosophical about Dan and and Danger Mouse, but I, I guess I guess at a certain point we have to just say that the podcast is over, right? Yeah. Well, so uh, until next week, I've been Trevor Ickrath. I've been Dylan Vlen. And until the next episode, don't get lost in heaven. Demo. Great. No maybe's, no supposes, no fractions. You can't travel in space. You can't go out in space. You know, without like you know, uh, with fractions, what are you gonna land? 
Atlanta, one quarter, three eighths, what are you going to do when you go from here to Venus or something? That's dialectic physics, okay? Dialectic logic is there's only love and hate. You either love somebody or you hate them. This is the way the fucking world is. Look at this fucking shit, man.